listening to Trending with Timory, offering an eternal perspective on today's hottest topics. National speaker Timory Millington has been a passionate advocate for life as long as she can remember, helping Gen X through Z answer the call to true feminism and authentic manhood. Timory holds a master's degree in biblical theology, and she covers this week's hottest stories from a Catholic worldview. You're listening to Trending with Timory. Wow, what a point in history right now. You know, if anyone hasn't realized this, like 30 years from now, we're going to be talking about this time where when we were all quarantined in our homes and we were, you know, fighting over, you know, those things that we usually don't talk about publicly, like toilet paper. I mean, come on, at Costco, I and mean, there's a huge abyss in the middle of Costco as of like two weeks ago, and they're rationing water, wash, rationing toilet paper, and uh, depending on what point in time you hear this, you may or may not be under quarantine. We are in a national state of emergency, and here on Trending, we want to help you get through the quarantine. Maybe you are stuck at home, or in my case, very excited to be home all week, or maybe two, eight weeks, who knows how long it will be with my husband, who's also working from home now. Uh, and you're a little concerned about how are we not only going to survive with rationing toilet paper and rationing food, but how are we going to survive getting along with each other? So my guest today is Associate Marriage and Family Therapist Michael Gasparro. You may recall he's been on trending a number of times talking about important issues surrounding psychology, therapy, and so forth. We're going to be diving into how to get along with people, how to resolve conflict, and we'll talk a little bit about this crisis of um, loneliness and suicide among men and kind of the skyrocketing of depression rates. I think this is all very relevant to today, and we'll also be talking about Catholic mindfulness. Now, before we get into this, I just have to say, you know, Michael, thanks for being with me here. Yeah, glad to be here today. You know, Michael, I keep thinking about this. There have been different points in history where we have baby booms. Like we have the baby boomers, right? People coming back from the war. You know, we have, you know, various events. Like, you know, I know some people who are 9-11 babies. I honestly think, although, you know, we have a lot of downtime, we are going to have a lot of children as a result of the coronavirus. I'm just saying. I'm going there today. 100%. (laughs) Even the the older office assistants and uh, people at the church office where I work were commenting on the nine month from now baby bump that we will see (laughs) the baby boom. (laughs) I was going to say, Michael, I don't know where you're going with that one, but I mean, I know I went that far, but I didn't know what was happening next. You had me a little (laughs) worried there. (laughs) So everyone's (laughs) noticing this is definitely a thing. (laughs) So if next year there are a bunch of babies named Corona, you'll know why. (laughs) Well, that, it's apparently a famous saint in our church, St. Corona. I know. And isn't it interesting that it's kind of come up over the last few days that there is a St. Corona. She actually has to do with like disease and illness, as I've heard, and just her intercessory prayers. It's a good time to pray for her, especially if maybe you're one of those people who is a little more concerned or maybe you know someone who has had this horrid flu cold this season or the coronavirus, you know, just praying for her intercession and protection for calmness and health for all our family and friends. That's right. I agree. And also, I think everyone should know that Pope Francis carried a cross literally through the streets of Rome that was carried through Rome in the early 1500s during a plague at the time. And 
that man has a part of his lungs missing. So I just want to highlight if Pope Francis can get through this quarantine and if he can, like, you know, keep his peace and, and show and model for us carrying our crosses, then that's an inspiration to me. Amen to that. And, you know, I was also seeing my husband sent me a video. They've taken like it was either a helicopter or a plane. A priest went up in the skies above Lebanon with the monstrance. Our blessed Lord exposed um, for, like for Eucharistic adoration. And they were flying with the monstrance of our Lord held up to the window over Lebanon, praying for the health of the people there in Lebanon. So, I mean, you guys, I know we may not have access to the mass. I know we may be are able to, you know, go to church but not receive communion, this is a time to dive deeper into our faith and to be more aware of those Lenten practices, even if we are making a spiritual communion from home or whatever that might be. Mm -hmm. Thank you for highlighting that. I, I want to highlight for myself that at the beginning of this corona pandemic anxiety, I thought to myself, I'm done with my Lenten practices. That's it. I just want to eat all the ice cream. And then I was like, you know what, Michael, maybe now is the time to really lean into them and not just throw them to the wind. You know, Michael, I know you're the therapist here, but that sounds like a little bit of stress eating if I do say so myself. <laughs> exactly. So that's why leaning into your Lenten practices and really like actually committing to them can be helpful during this time to avoid some of those negative coping habits. That's Michael Gasparo. You're listening to Trending with Timory. You can find me on Instagram at Timory. That's T-I-M-M-E-R-I-E. You can also follow me on various other social media platforms, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube. You cho choose where you want to find us. But you can find Michael Gasparo and his work at places such as reintegrativetherapy.com and catholictherapist.com. So, Michael, you and I have been talking over the last few months. And there's a therapist that you've mentioned a number of times that has been incredibly intriguing to me. And that's a Dr. Gregory Bataro. And Dr. Gregory Bataro actually has been really great in some of the things he's posted, especially on social media through the beginning of the coronavirus. But I want to dive into something that I think is so relevant, whether in the midst of the coronavirus and feeling a little fearful, or maybe just connecting deeper into your faith throughout your regular work week with when things kind of go back to normal. And that is Catholic mindfulness. You sent this article over where he talks about five ways, and he gives a bonus one too, of how we can practice Catholic mindfulness without kind of having to worry about taking more time for something. Yeah, and he, what's really great about Dr. Greg Bataro is it's always very practical things with him. He gives things that are very tangible. So these five simple things include ways that you can incorporate awareness of your thoughts, your feelings, and your physical sensations throughout your day that can prepare you for things like prayer or calm your fight, flight, or freeze mode down just enough to feel present in the moment and attentive to God's presence in your life. Let's go ahead and walk through those because I know a lot of people he even introduces in this article and we'll send a tweet out linking to this article. You can find it at Timmery. That's T-I-M-M-E-R-I-E. -E. Uh, he talks about how a lot of people will say, well, I want to practice Catholic mindfulness, but I just don't have time. And so this is for the average busy person who thinks they don't have time. So let's go ahead and start with the first one. I love it. So simple. He talks about meal time. So give us a little bit about this. Well, one of the great things to note is mealtime is for everyone. We all eat. So when you eat, he highlights bringing your senses to full awareness. 
What is the smell of the food? What does it taste like? Really take your time. And in fact, as a person who enjoys food myself, Timory, this is actually an invitation to actually heighten the pleasure you get from eating in some ways. You notice the sensations. You notice the bites in between to pause. Put your fork down for a moment. If you find yourself horking your food down like the rat in Ratatouille from Disney Pixar's movie, notice if you slow down, you can enjoy, and it will also help, practically speaking, probably keep you from overeating quite as much. You know, Michael, as I'm thinking about this, I remember in our philosophy classes in college, Aristotle would actually talk about when we eat, how we're supposed to savor our food and, you know, really taste it on the palate, take it in. And, you know, it's so much more human when we are utilizing our senses to be aware. And I think take it a step further into Christianity to be appreciative of what we have. And, you know, I think that if we're more aware of the smell, the food, you know, the fact that we're actually sitting here and eating rather than like watching watching a TV show while we scarf down our food or, you know, checking the latest coronavirus crisis update or texting a friend about what's going on, that slowing down, you know, it's Catholic mindfulness, as Dr. Gregory Pataro talks about, but it's actually, it's being human. And I think that that's what's so phenomenal about our Catholic faith is saying, be you, be connected to your body, both body and soul, have this mindfulness to every part of who you are, which is why he also talks about how prayer time and grocery line stores are important as well. So let's talk about prayer time and kind of being more focused and attentive while praying. Yeah, and that's about pausing for even just 30 seconds, if you can, to notice your thoughts, your feelings, and your physical sensations to prepare you for your prayer, to slow down so you feel like you're entering prayer with receptivity to God and kind of paying attention to the mental clutter in a way that helps you refocus and engage in prayer in a more effective, perhaps even more, air, air quotes, mindful way. And grocery lines, uh, grocery store lines is perfect right now, right? Everyone's talking about these insane grocery store lines, and it's frantic, and there's all this clutter. It, it's, he wrote this a, a year ago on his website, and so it's perfect now more than ever. If you're at the grocery store and you're noticing people around you and you can be attentive and present to yourself and to them in the moment without judging everything so harshly, slow down, and you might find you can learn something in line as well. Amen. And I think that also includes, you know, detaching from our cell phones sometimes as well as not and not kind of just mm -hmm. picking something up right away because we're bored for that 30 seconds or two minutes while we wait in line. But one of the things he really emphasizes both at mealtime, meal prayer, and even the grocery line, is breathing. Stop and breathe. Take steady, deep breaths. And in the grocery line, he even talks about how feel your feet literally on the floor. Be aware of what are the emotions of the people around you? You know, do they look happy, sad, tired, grumpy, you know, lazy, whatever it might be? Look at that. And he does the same thing when talking about driving in the car. Literally breathe, but feel the steering wheel in front of you. Get connected yet again to your surroundings in the real world. And I think this is so important in the midst of a relativism in the world right now. And I'll just touch on that last one real briefly. We can come back in in just a minute on this. But he talks about before. Before bed, start breathing. Maybe take a minute to, you know, do things. What I would say is stretch, feel connected to your body, you know, use those breaths, let the day come to a close. Timory will be right back. Send her a tweet at Timory. That's T I M M E R I E.
You're listening to Trending with Timory. Associate Marriage and Family Therapist Michael Gasparo is with me. He does great work there at the Breakthrough Clinic, working with other various apostolates surrounding therapy, the Reintegrative Therapy. You can find them at reintegrativetherapy.com. Michael, we are in the midst of an epidemic among men specifically surrounding suicide, both here in the United States and worldwide. We're also seeing this increase in loneliness, depression, isolation. And, you know, I was also thinking about how we've seen various studies coming out that specifically middle-aged men have next to no male friendships that they're really you know not engaging in the friendships that you know historically people were more connected with others than they were and I think this is a huge part of the struggle people are facing today with just this decrease in the strength in our men in the culture and I think one thing as Catholics we can remember is that there are models for male friendship in our faith tradition. So first person that comes to mind is Jesus Christ. So Jesus had 12 disciples, right? The 12 apostles, excuse me. And so when we think of male community, that's the first thing that comes to my mind. And I think it's really important to remember that Jesus and his community of men included women, but there was also a special place in his life for this male community. And in the Catholic Church in the United States, I'm a Knight of Columbus, Timory. I'm a third-degree Knight, proud of it. That said, those types of fraternal organizations are suffering with an age gap. There's often a highly older group and, a, and maybe a little bit in the young, but in the middle, it's kind of a, you know abyss. So we really want to remember that as Catholics, community we build within our own parishes at the local level can fill this kind of a role to build this community of men that support each other to help reduce some of the sense of loneliness and desperation that comes from feeling like you're not connected to other men around you. Iron sharpens iron. You know, Michael, I want to take this one step further because this opens up an even broader conversation, not just the suicide among men, not just the loneliness. And as you just very importantly pointed out, this age gap in certain, you know, groups like the Knights of Columbus was a great example within the church. Uh, but I think in society in general, we're seeing kind of these gaps of, of male interaction. You know, we also see, especially with you and the work you're doing with reintegrative therapy, people who are experiencing, for example, gender dysphoria or same-sex attraction. One of the big things we hear from people who have these experiences is that there was a lack of whether it was father-son um, friend. Uh, like mentorship, right? That father-son relationship that's so important. Or maybe, you know, it, it was a boy who was teased in school and had no other male friendships and felt isolated. You know, we hear a lot of about this. Can you speak to this to add that dimension into this conversation as well? Many of my clients, Timory, especially those who deal with same-sex attraction, because I focus more on that than gender dysphoria, but the, the time test is probably going to show the same for both populations that they need true and authentic male connection and community. Acceptance, approval are absolutely essential from these older salient males in their life, and many of them were starved for that. So what we need to remember as a church is that we can fill that gap for someone in our life. If you are a man and your friend, neighbor, 
uh, someone you know at church as an acquaintance struggles with same-sex attraction and has trusted you enough to, to share this, they may need your love and kindness in a way that you've not had the opportunity to share with somebody before. And that can be such a healing, what we call in the therapy world, corrective emotional experience. It can help heal a wound that maybe goes back many, very many years for that individual. You're listening to Trending with Tim Ray. That is Associate Marriage and Family Therapist, Michael Gasparo. Michael, as we're talking about this, I think there are two things that we need to get out of the way to allow those bridges in terms of male friendship and even mentorship to take place. I think because one of the things that I've seen a lot is in studying this issue, especially surrounding same-sex attraction and gender dysphoria, that there can be kind of roadblocks for the father and son bonding. Um, or there can be this isolation of boys from other boys and specifically mentors. And so I think the first thing, and this comes back to same-sex attraction and the crisis overall, uh, suicide and loneliness and depression among men, that is we as women, I'm really challenging women. If you are listening right now, I think that we need to be a more aware of the fact that we need to allow breathing room and space for men to have those relationships because I really do notice and it's not just among the younger generations that a lot of girls even in high school or even in their dating relationships and you know moving on through the years tend to like to isolate men you know like to kind of be a little more possessive than they Mm -hmm. should be and unfortunately whether it's a doing this to her son or a wife doing it to her spouse, that's actually not the best thing for your own relationship with the men in your lives because men need to be fueled and forged by other men. And I'd love to hear your thoughts on that one. Well, I love hearing you say that because I do want to highlight that while we're identifying these dynamics, we're not blaming one group or the other, but we are naming systems that we notice. And what's great to hear a a female voice on this matter is that men and women both need male and female uh, friendships, community. So as a man, if I'm, I'm single right now, Timory, right? So my role in the male community is going to look a little different than when I'm married, but I'm still going to need that male community when I'm married. So similarly for you and your husband or you and other men in your life, you recognize the importance that they have that male community to sharpen each other, to grow as men in holiness together and masculinity and in other ways that they feel supported emotionally. And they come back and they're stronger men ready to lead the family and serve their family in ways that they couldn't if they weren't supported by the community of men and their spiritual and social circles as well. Now, what that looks like for each family is different. So it doesn't mean that like we're saying, oh, well, if you're married and you're a guy, you get to go out every night by yourself with your buddies and just drink beer all night. That's not what we're talking about. We are talking about being attentive to relationships and for women to acknowledge that men do need other men. And similarly, quite frankly, men have to acknowledge that women need other women too and give space for that as well. Amen. I think this is really good uh, for us to be aware of. And I'll never forget, I was listening to some of the work of The Art of Manliness. They have 
awesome resources, podcasts, uh, tons of articles at their website. But they've talked a lot about this issue of male friendship. And one of the things that they always emphasize is that when men are allowed that space to have those good male friendships and to spend time with them, what happens is the other men in their lives become more aware of what's going on in their friend's life. And they're willing to call them out when they see, you know, mm-hmm. maybe you're, something's going on that you're treating your wife a little wrong in these certain circumstances. Or maybe, you know, you're not addressing a certain issue with your kid the best. You know, they're aware you have other people who can see what's happening in these situations. Yeah, you have more eyes on a problem. And the other thing is authentic male friendship is a lot more than just watching sports together. It doesn't eliminate that. I love watching sports with my friends. And I love doing jujitsu and other things that are very maybe like considered macho. But I also love going to see a musical or going to a prayer group with my friends or having a time to do accountability check-ins about struggles in our life. So the, the edges and the things that you're talking about, the sharp edges that need smoothing around, that can happen in the context of male friendship, especially if you find friends as men. I want to encourage the men that are listening, find friends that share your values, that can lift you up and you can lift them up. But don't be afraid also of some friends that you can have some things in common with, but not everything in common. So each person's got to discern, use the gift of the Holy Spirit's presence in your life to discern which are the right friends for you and how you should spend your time together. I love it. If you're just joining us, you're listening to Trending with Tim Ray. My guest today is Michael Gasparo. You can find more about him and his work at reintegrativetherapy.com or catholictherapist.com. A ton of incredible therapists are available for whatever you may need help with through your life. You know, Michael, I'm looking at kind of a list I have here because sometimes we go, okay, I've got the male friendships. What do I do? Or maybe you don't have a lot of time. Maybe you're busy. You have kids. You have a really busy career, whatever it might be. And you're going, I can't really make more time for friendships. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, here are some of the things I really want to encourage people to do. You know, take your exercise time because you should be exercising and do it with one of your buddies. You know, maybe take some time where maybe it's just once a month, not necessarily once a week that you're getting ready with getting together with these people, but be intentional to plan that short spurts of time or be productive and multitask. Yeah, and quality over quantity. So you might not have a ton of time to spend all the time you want with your male friends like you did when you were single. But like you said, if you're really intentional and you can do something together, what if you have housework to do, right? Like you need to put up a fence in your backyard. Ask a friend. You can do it together. Or what if you, like you said, go to the gym once a week or once a month with a friend? Um, There's time that you can carve out. We often like the mindfulness thing we talked about earlier. We often have more time than we admit to ourselves, too, if we really look at what a priority is in our life. So it's just good to reflect and say, if male community and male friendship, especially if we deal with same-sex attraction, but for all men, is important to me, where can I carve out time for that? Because ultimately, we have time for the things we really want to make time for. You know, I think another good example, Michael, is I know my husband, for example, loves to read books at the same time as his other friends. And so while they might not have a ton of time to sit down and discuss those books, you know, whether maybe it's a colleague at work or maybe it's a friend you see for a few minutes after church, you know, that is a sense of fueling the friendship. You're doing something while apart also together and you're both, you know, growing and being challenged at the same time. That's a great example of the small ways you can incorporate male friendship and community into your life. And again, if you have same-sex attraction, 
then you especially are going to need to plug into those male friendships that maybe even scare you a little bit in the sense that you feel a little vulnerable putting yourself out there with men when maybe you were bullied when you were growing up or not as close to your dad as you'd hoped. So I encourage those people listening, if you know someone in your life or if you experience that, to lean into that and really ask God to give you the strength to lean into those healthy male friendships. I want to encourage all of us to be better about making those friendships. Really be willing to reach out to people. You can listen to more of Trending via the podcast on iTunes or the iHeartRadio app, where you can share your favorite episodes. You're listening to Trending with Timory, where reality and culture meet, offering an eternal perspective on today's hottest topics. So maybe you have some extra time if you're not rushing to the grocery store to stock up yet again on those essentials or to hoard toilet paper and water, whatever it might be. You do you, whatever you're hoarding. I mean, at a certain point, I just want to know where all this toilet paper is going. I mean, honestly, I don't know where it's gone. And I know it's not polite to talk about such things, but I really (laughs) am wondering, like, what are people doing? We're going to be talking in just a second about what happens when you have idle time and there's temptation to you know kind of engage in those little vices that we may have rather than you know enjoy this time to rest and engage with the people around us but first a message from our sponsors solidarity health share is simple to help pay for affordable quality health care they enable the community to share in each other's eligible medical expenses you choose the doctor that you want to see even integrative and alternative medical treatments are eligible Solidarity HealthShare helps pay for NAPRO technology and costs associated with natural family planning. Solidarity HealthShare is dedicated to both faith and your health care. Information is available at SolidarityHealthShare.org. That's SolidarityHealthShare.org. I have with me associate marriage and family therapist, Michael Gasparo. Michael, now is the time to really be aware of our temptations when we have this extra downtime. Wouldn't you agree? Like these are the times when we turn to things such as, you know, maybe overuse of social media and that jealousy and self-loathing and comparison, or maybe it's porn, or I don't know, maybe it's that you're dating someone and you're sitting alone on the couch for prolonged hours and chastity is becoming an issue. I mean, there's so many things, even fighting with your spouse and kids, you know? Oh, yeah. Tell me about it. I'm a therapist and I'm 100% human. So we all deal with these temptations and struggles. And with idle time, what is the, the old phrase? You know, idle, idle hands or the devil's plaything or something along those lines. Yeah, so idle have to time be, is the devil's yeah. playground. Yeah, right. So, yeah, I agree. We have to be completely aware of where we're drawn to use the time in ways that is not really lifting ourselves up or lifting other people up. And I certainly have been noticing some of that in my own life over this past week or so. Oh my gosh. I mean, just this weekend, I was obsessively like, you know, it's entertaining. I mean, we've got to admit there's this little bit of an adrenaline rush. It's a little Mm -hmm. exciting. There's someone in my life who I was saying, you know, toward the end of last week, I'm like, they're literally giddy right now because that adrenaline (laughs) is firing. And, you know, even, I mean, I've got to be honest this morning, I went to Costco. Yes. I wanted to get some extra frozen vegetables to like have them stocked up for the worst case scenario. Uh, But part of me is like, I kind of want to. Yeah, I kind of wanted to go for the entertainment. Like, it's a total lark. And I'll tell you, we turned around. There was, like, a line zigzagging, and people were marching around the building. It's just crazy. But at the same time, I noticed myself, like – 
I'm sick of my phone. I'm getting grumpy because I'm looking at one thing after another. I'm starting to get annoyed with different things. Mm -hmm. And I did it to myself. (laughs) Yeah, you know, I actually made what I called a plan for peace about five days ago when I realized that my anxiety levels were starting to go up about this whole coronavirus situation. And on that list were about nine points of things I'm going to keep aware of over this next couple of weeks. And what's funny is there is literally only one thing on that list that had to do with the practical things I need to do to stay safe, which was, you know, (laughs) wash my hands more, touch my face less, and have social distancing and avoid large gatherings. Everything else had to do with my spiritual and social practices. And let me tell you, one of those things, Timory, was stay connected to family and friends in whatever way you can. Because when you are connected with your family and friends, it will decrease stress, decrease cortisol levels. If you can have positive interactions and engagement, even if it's just virtually, if you're not able to see them all. For instance, Timory, my family is all in Dallas this weekend, and I was supposed to be with them in Chicago for my nephew's first birthday, which is today. Well, sadly, I'm not going to be able to be there with them. And as sad as that is, we're all going to have a Facebook portal conversation. It's like a video chat later today. Because staying connected with them helps reduce stress. And another thing, the last thing I do now, no scrolling Google News ever. I will not do it. I will only specifically search on the Internet for updates from the county health department or the city that I need to know. But I'm not scrolling headlines now. Good for you. And to be honest, the headlines are going to come to you. I mean, I think that I've been sent like at least 10 articles in the last 12 hours from people who have done Mm -hmm. a really great job of keeping me updated. Sure. Yeah. Someone's going to tell me if I have to be quarantined, I'm sure. (laughs) Who knows? You may be listening to this and you may already be quarantined (laughs) or maybe you Uh self-quarantined. And I have to say for a second, like, I know I'm not trying to be irreverent, but I mean, even just saying social distancing, I mean, like, I'm like laughing at myself every time I hear that word said. I mean, we are, and here's what I have to say. As Catholics, we are at a point in history where our prudence, our temperance, our thoughtfulness to not, you know, going out and getting others sick, our thoughtfulness to, you know, you know, people are a little afraid. Maybe I shouldn't hover over them in the grocery line, but maybe you shouldn't hover over people in the grocery line to begin with, you know, like, you know, maybe even being more polite to the checkers right now, honestly, like Mm -hmm. besides first responders and our hospital professionals, like if you are in any way involved in the grocery industry, Thank you, you. because thank you. You You are the heroes right now because, I mean, you are dealing with the good, bad and the ugly. And unfortunately, I mean, we are seeing a lot of the ugly out there right now. If you're just joining us, you're listening to Trending with Timory. With me today is Associate Marriage and Family Therapist, Michael Gasparo. You can follow me on social media, specifically Instagram at Timory. Just look me up, Timory at Timory, T-I-M-M-E-R-I-E. So, Here's the thing, Michael. I want to talk about pornography for but just a second here, because I to talk about do. We've got to talk about it for a second (laughs) because (laughs) I keep coming back to the fact that this idle time, like you and I said, we're both doing things that we shouldn't be doing. Yeah, sure. Maybe we're not looking at pornography, but I know for some people pornography is a coping mechanism pornography is what they do with their downtime how do we stay away from whether it's porn or whatever it is well i think a great place to start the important thing for your audience to remember is that anytime we look to pornography it's almost always an emotional 
seeking. There is a sexual component to it, but for many, many people, for men and women, we're getting something emotionally out of the experience that we really need, but we're getting it in an unhealthy way. So we want to ask ourselves a great question, and, and I've shared on your show many times of my history of struggling with pornography and my continued commitment to striving to live chastely, right? So when I share about this, I'm not throwing stones from a glass house. I'm, it's like the statement about Christianity being one beggar showing another beggar where to find the food. You know, I just want to share what could be helpful. And ask yourself, what am I feeling right now, and what am I looking for? A great acronym that I hear sometimes used is HALT. H-A-L-T. Am I hungry? Am I angry? Am I lonely? Am I tired? If yes is any of those answers, then check in with that first. Or for instance, Timory, how often if you're a, a man or woman isolated during this time might you feel a little bit depressed? And what you're really looking for is a sense of connection to somebody, like you're isolated. Well, then find a way to pause. Ask yourself in that temptation, God, what am I feeling? Help me to know what I'm feeling and what I really need right now. And if you've Take that moment and pause. You might find a great answer is to call a friend, connect with somebody over FaceTime, or something else to meet that healthy need that you really deserve to get, but not through pornography. Amen. And maybe you're someone who lives alone. Might I suggest this? Like if you're a little isolated and a little alone, maybe now's the right time to go find someone to stay with for, or invite someone over to stay with you for the next couple of weeks. That way you're not just sitting by yourself through this. You know, if you're distant and isolated from friends or family, I mean, I can tell you I've already had some friends in the area saying, hey, when you're done with your work, you know, we'd love for you guys to come over and play some board games because we're all just, you know, home as well. We don't want to go stir crazy. Yeah, and I have a group from St. Monica's Catholic Church in Santa Monica. That's a young adult group, and they're closed for the next few weeks. So already people are organizing online gatherings where they can meet and discuss faith together. Or like you said, smaller groups, which are still acceptable. We're not, you know, defying, we're not encouraging anyone to defy government recommendations. But within the current state you live in and the city recommendations, there are ways to connect with people. And porn often is a coping mechanism due to social isolation or feelings of inadequacy or a whole list of other ne negative emotions we're trying to compensate by getting a positive thing, but it's like trying to drink tequila when you're thirsty. You need water. So find out what the water is that you need in your life and bring that to God and ask for some guidance so you can get that done and get that need met in a healthier way. That's Associate Marriage and Family Therapist Michael Gasparo. You're listening to Trending with Timory. Don't go away because in just a little bit, we will be talking about how to get through conflict resolution, especially when you're stuck in close quarters, but in general in life, when we go back to normal. Yeah. Uh, so, Michael, before we go there, I want to talk about what are some ways for getting a better rest right now. Uh, one, don't just become a couch potato. You've got to exercise. No. So, unfortunately, the gyms are closed. I mean, even my Pilates studio where I normally teach Pilates. I can't even get out to teach right now. Um, people aren't coming in. So you've got to stay exercising and active. But I mean, this is a great time to play board games, to read that fantasy or mystery novel or historical book you want to read or dive into your prayer and really take some time to learn how to pray the rosary, you know, to start praying it daily. These are just a few ideas of things we can do. Well, and Catholic philosopher Dr. Christopher Kayser, who's a great philosopher at LMU, included the idea of rest being a form of rejuvenation, but rest can include hobbies and creative outlets. 
So you can rest in playing your piano. You can rest in singing with your family around the stereo. There are things you can do that are rest that aren't just laying down watching a movie, which is not bad, but there are other ways to rest in activity that's uplifting for you. I remember my former co-host, Chris Mueller, who, by the way, will be on the show later this week, so don't miss it. He and I were talking about a number of years ago how we think that we're resting also when we're you know, looking at our phone or watching TV, but in reality, our eyes and our brain need rest from the stimulation from the light. So it's something important to remember as you're finding to take up those hobbies and enjoy them again. Timory will be right back. Send her a tweet at Timory. That's T-I-M-M-E-R-I-E. You're listening to Trending with Timory, where the truth on sex, marriage, and family matters. Offering an eternal perspective on today's hottest topics. Conflict resolution. Who isn't getting into maybe a little extra spouts at home? Your spouse is home. All your kids are home. Maybe you're getting a little bored or annoyed by all the crisis. So we're going to talk about how to better cope at home when those little conflicts arise and to de-escalate them. With me today is Associate Marriage and Family Therapist Michael Gasparo. You can find him at catholictherapist.com and also hint, hint for all of our San Diego people. You may know he works in Los Angeles as a therapist, but he's also in San Diego now as well. You can find more about him and his work at healingandpeace.com, healingandpeace.com, an awesome Catholic apostolate dealing with therapy, really focused on uh, Thomistic theology and therapy and kind of commingling together. Thomas Schmier does great work over there. So Michael, let's talk about conflict resolution. You work a lot with families and couples. How can we handle having boundaries and also handle the crises of arguments that are going to come up? Well, I think the first thing to remember is that conflict will happen. And sometimes there's this old sort of wives tale, I guess, or this old adage of, you know, no conflict means things are going well. When in reality, conflict is going to happen. It's a matter of how you deal with the conflict. So we want to learn how to argue well. And especially if you're in close quarters with family and friends, the likelihood that you're going to rub up against each other in a way that's a little bit, let's say, less than friendly, (laughs) increases, right? So the Gottman Institute, which is a major player in the couples and family therapy world, has done a lot Mm. of research to help us really articulate well common, I would even say, Christian wisdom in a very scientific and secular way. So maybe we can jump into that in just a bit. Yes, I would love to do that. And I'm actually going to just make one comment here, and that is this. When my husband and I were dating before we got married, one of the things that I really emphasized that I wanted to learn how to do is I wanted to learn how to fight and how to fight well. And not that there's any perfect way to fight, but I wanted to be able to argue and both know emotionally everything was fine. We could have the argument I would be fine. He would be fine. We weren't going to suddenly, you know, run away, leave, stonewall right. each other. It was really important to me. And I think that that's something that we actually really did learn how to do quite well. Again, no picture perfect world, but I think that uh-huh. being intentional about learning how to argue is so important. And maybe this quarantine is the time to learn how to argue with that child, that spouse, friend, family member who just irks you sometimes. 
Yeah, and I think one great thing to remember is that Christian wisdom, I remember in the book of Proverbs, I wish I had the verse come to mind, but it says, a gentle answer turns away wrath, and a harsh word stirs up anger. So if you have a problem and two disagree, you can keep that in mind. What are you going to do to help make peace in this moment? Are you going to respond with something harsh, or are you going to respond with something calm? And before we even touch on these four horsemen of the apocalypse, as it were, for arguments, remember this, Timory. I know you and I both have experienced this in our lives. When you get flooded and when I get flooded with emotion, that means our heart rate sort of shoots through the roof, adrenaline kicks in. We call that flooding, emotional flooding. And basically, by the time that happens, no good is going to come of that argument. So what we recommend for anger management and for conflict management, once one party or the other gets flooded, take a moment, acknowledge it with each other. It can be as simple as saying, like if, I was, if you and I were in a fight, Timory, I could say, you know, Timory, I'm feeling a little flooded right now. Let's take a time out. Let's take 20 minutes. That's a great amount of time to each go do something positive, relaxing, watch a YouTube video, take a walk, go get some ice cream separately no ruminating about the fight, just separate 20 minutes of calming down, and then let's come back together. And when you reunite after 20 minutes, it rebuilds trust that you both came back, and it also highlights that now in this calmer emotional state, reason can prevail more easily. Yes, and I mean, this is also an example of, I think, a little more predominantly among men, why men will just walk away from an argument sometimes. And I know sometimes we as ladies, and again, it could be the reverse, tend to you know chase the men down in our mm -hmm. lives when we're arguing with them, but they're just trying to clear their head for a second so that they can come back and that, so that they don't say something they'll regret or is not true or is too emotional. And so here are some of your tips. Michael's going to walk us through, I think you call them the four horsemen. Yeah, so the Gottman Institute identified what they called the four horsemen of the apocalypse for relationships. And these four horsemen, and that's a biblical reference for us in Revelation. So in the four horsemen, we have criticism, defensiveness, contempt, and stonewalling. And I'll just give you a brief example. Criticism involves usually a harsh startup, something like you always or you never, something that criticizes their character without offering a specific complaint. So a great example is, you always leave your laundry all over the house, whether it's the man or the woman saying that to the other. And the antidote for this criticism is to use a gentle startup, which sounds obvious, but it can be something small like, hey, I noticed this sock is on the ground and, and I feel a little angry because I asked if you would pick it up. So would you mind helping by picking up the laundry you've left on the floor? That's a specific complaint with a gentle startup that is not a criticism of their entire person or character. And that's going to get you a lot better result than just jumping in with the finger pointing train. Can you give some example of phrases? Because I know, you know, people say never start something with you always or, you know, other phrases mm -hmm. like that. What are some other ones that we shouldn't start with? Another thing would be notice I language versus you language. So even if you just start with saying, hey, I, I have something I want to talk with you about. I feel a little sad right now. Identifying your feelings using I language and stating things more objectively is a great way to start. And, and actually, let's look at the next one, defensiveness. So if somebody does use a criticism, it's easy and likely that you're going to want to defend against that. And defensiveness involves just criticizing back. But you always leave the garbage in the garbage can and never take it to the street. So what we can do is take responsibility. And that doesn't mean owning everything that everyone else accuses us of, but it means reflecting 
and this is a Christian virtue, reflection on your own sort of conscience and say, what can I take responsibility for here that I can maybe own a part of to help ease this conflict? And the third one I want to touch on is contempt. This is the big red flag of them all. This is the mother of the four horsemen. Okay, this is the lip sneering. This is the I'm better than you and looking down on other people. And quite frankly, this is what we see Jesus call the Pharisees out for a lot. This sort of contemptuous self-righteousness. And one great way to overcome this, and the beautiful thing is there are antidotes, is build a culture of appreciation, Timory. That means mm-hmm. instead of focusing on how much better you are than your spouse or your brother or your sister, start by saying what you're appreciative of to that person for. And I guarantee you, if you take the time, you can find some gratitude for the people in your life to help be an antidote to that contempt. Oh, yes. And, you know, I'm going to give another little tip here, too, is I think this contempt, it builds up. It's long term. It's where we Mm -hmm. have resentment or rancor, as we call it. And I know something for me, even when I'm, you know, maybe getting stressed out or maybe I'm feeling rancors or whatever it might be kind of in this area. I will make it a daily routine at night to grab my rosary beads before I go to bed and on each and every single bead. Of course, already praying the rosary that day, people. Uh, but to use those beads, okay, I'm thank you for this person. I'm thank you for sure. the way this person does this. I'm thankful for this trait in this person. I'm thankful for the land I live on. I'm thankful for my home. And I go through and make myself grateful for all, all these different things. And it's a reminder, I'm safe. I'm okay. I'm grateful. I actually do mm-hmm. like these people. They're not that bad. Mm-hmm. I think that's really helpful for something to do uh, when we're feeling that sense of contempt ongoing towards someone. And what I love about what you described is that sometimes people say, well, that's how I feel, and my feelings matter. (laughs) Well, yes, they do, but you actually contribute to how you feel by how you think. So what you highlighted, Timory, was you used a thought exercise, a prayer in this case, to change how you feel. But you didn't force your feelings away. You just changed your thinking, and the feelings followed. So Mm -hmm. that is important to note because you are not a victim of all of your contemptuous feelings. And what does Jesus say? Be like me. I am meek and humble of heart. And being meek and humble is not the same as having contempt for people. So Mm -hmm. realistically, seeking to follow Christ in that meekness and humility will help be an antidote to this contempt as well in some ways. So let's talk about this last one, stonewalling. And this is a bad (laughs) habit that we have to break. I mean, we're not children. But how do we break this one? So two things. First of all, you noted earlier that sometimes women have a higher tendency towards criticism and men have a higher tendency towards stonewalling. That's the dynamic you described just a bit ago. And this is supported by data and the Gottman Institute provides that information. So we know that while women have a little bit tendency towards criticism, men will respond by stonewalling. One way to help with stonewalling, by the way, they might look calm, they might be quiet in in not speaking, but they're not calm interiorly. So we want to encourage physiological self-soothing. That can be journaling. It can be mindfulness in the moment. It can be prayer. It can be taking a walk. But what we want to avoid is doing this without communicating. So a timeout, like I mentioned earlier, Timory, does not involve you just slamming the door and running out on your spouse. It requires communication. You know, hey, sweetie, I'm feeling really overwhelmed. I need a break. Can we take a timeout? That's very different than 
angrily slamming the door and walking out for 30 minutes. So soothing yourself with some physiological techniques, stretching like you mentioned earlier is one of them, can really help. I love it. These are all great tips for not only getting through the quarantine, but for getting through our relationships and finding that we are called to be prudent. We are called to be selfless. We are called to be chaste. We are called to be all of these great virtues that God offers us. So let's go ahead and start by working on conflict resolution. That was Michael Gasparro joining me today here on Trending with Timory. You can find more about him and his work at catholictherapist.com or healinginpeace.com or slide over to radiotrending.com. This has been Trending with Timory. To book her to speak or learn more about her guest, visit radiotrending.com. That's radiotrending.com. You can listen to more of Trending via the podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or the iHeartRadio app, where you can share your favorite episodes. 